0: Hello nerds and welcome to Crossing the Nerdverse. My name is Travis. I'm joined by my co-host Ryan. Ryan, we missed you last week. Hope you had a good holiday with your family. Why don't you tell us a little about it?
1: Oh yeah, I'm glad to be back this week. Uh, I missed missed hanging out with you guys for this. It was a good holiday season. Had a lot of fun. I got to, uh, got to travel out of town. Got to see my dad and all the fam. All of us crammed into my sister's house. Made a mess. You know, all the good stuff.
0: It's always way more fun was, uh... to mess up somebody else's house for the holiday.
1: <laughs> Ain't that a No, it was a good time. Good food, good people. Uh, we ended up trying to take all the kids out to do the uh, Christmas light show, and it ended up being the coldest night of the year we've had so far. It was It was freezing cold, but we all had a good time.
0: Glad to hear it. I'm joined by my other co-host, Eric. Eric, I hope you had a happy holiday as well.
2: Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, kids got their gifts. That was a little crazy. Um, and then, yeah, it was just a lot of food. Um, I don't think I've eaten this much in a long time. Um, so I definitely got my uh, my pudge on um, from this holiday season. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's it that and a little bit of research for this and a lot of work this week. Um, but Yeah, what about you, Travis?
0: I drove five and a half hours to my sister's house, uh, did all of the cooking for our Christmas meal this year, went uh, all out, did beef wellington and cucumber a la palette, and a whole bunch of other fun classic English recipes for our Christmas dinner. Um, you know, just got to spend time with family, which is always always a highlight for me, so... Happy to be back in my own abode, though. I do enjoy traveling as long as it's in brief spurts. I'm definitely a homebody, though.
2: Makes sense, man. Like, it is nice to be. It's nice to be home. I think after COVID, I think a lot more people are are kind of homebody. Like, it's nice to get out and, like, hang out. But I think everyone's appreciated staying home a little bit more than they used to.
1: You know, I got the uh, the same impression actually. With my, my family's kind of kind of split down the middle, half of us are very much turning into homebodies, wanting to turtle up, and the other half are biting, biting at the rope, chomping at the bit, to get out and do something and team up. and It's been interesting to see how how that's played out.
0: I was gonna say I, f- I fell into the opposite camp in that regard. I don't always enjoy going places or feeling, like, obligated to go places, but always, like, knowing I have that option. COVID was hard on me because I was like, well, I can't just go anywhere, so here I am at the house with the dogs still.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was rough. It was weird not having the options, but um, speaking of which, that's kind of our topic this week is going to be um, COVID and sort of its effect on the Nerdverse Um, And all the different, all the different parts of it um, that we kind of touched on briefly. Um, But yeah, it definitely, definitely had a big, big effect on everything um, nerd related compared to a lot of other things. Like I found it affected a lot of other industries. Um, It seemed a little bit more in the negative way, but sort of the nerd part, it really did boost a lot of things um, and sort of made it a bigger, bigger industry and kind of um, I think it got a lot of a lot of people involved that would have never been involved otherwise, um, without being locked in their homes. Um, and the first big one, obviously, that you have to talk about would have to be tabletop gaming. Um, that huge, huge from from COVID. I mean, like Wizards of the Coast was already seeing upticks because of things like um, that one TV show, Stranger Things. That's it. Never watched it. Don't hate me, people. Um, so D&D was already on the uptick, but, like, it saw a huge spike when COVID came out because there was nothing to do. Um, did you guys play a lot more D&D and stuff like that when COVID kicked up?
1: So that's the interesting part. With with our group, with our table, when COVID first hit, it, it so wildly destabilized the schedule. That We almost got no gaming done for, Travis, what do you say, eight months, ten months?
0: I don't know if it was quite that long. I know when it first struck, we spent probably two months solid without a single game. I think Ryan, myself, and uh, our, our friend Bones would get together and create a myriad of characters. But I don't know if we got any real solid playing done. We did have two friends in the medical industry and another one in the travel industry and they ended up working like 90 hours a week it felt like
1: mm-hmm. well and we we struggled to keep everything kind of going and keep everything on schedule and even when we were meeting for games we were having consistency issues and so some people couldn't make it other people's could make it for one weekend and not the next one. And so we ended up falling into kind of a trap of running a series of short-running kind of campaigns, one-shot stories, one-shot adventures. And it ate up a lot of our time with where we were struggling to to try to find a new new vibe, a new way to do things.
0: Wasted so many good, fantastic character portraits on one-off characters.
2: (laughs) Now, would you say... The the big issue though was probably you weren't into the digital thing too, like not just the time, but like you didn't have the digital platform yet because you both played mostly in person originally. So,
1: yeah, or, originally, absolutely. Um, we've actually been digital since well before COVID. We switched to a fully digital format in I believe 2014.
0: Yep 2014. And
1: so we've been we've been digital on that for for quite a while now. Uh, primarily because everybody got out of college and scattered. Uh, the wins. And so we, we managed to stay together and stayed in contact, which is awesome. Not a lot of uh, gaming groups from high school and college can say that, but yeah, we've been digital for a while. Truth be told, I think the biggest issue was the eclectic response to it, I think, because some people's jobs really locked down and wouldn't let people come in and so people were at home or working remote, whereas some of our other members' jobs... Became quite. I don't. I don't want to say short staffed, but that's what it felt like, where they were just putting in hour after hour. Um, Ugly's job, for example, worked him to the bone, and and so it was, it was that that kind of inconsistency that hit our group the hardest. I think. Although looking at the numbers, that is not what happened to every group. That is for sure.
2: No, for sure. Like if you look, um, Hasbro actually made the decision during COVID um, to double the size of like their digital side um because it's just such a big thing like during 2020 they were making like profit 46 cents on a dollar that's crazy yeah that is um crazy. so so dnd yeah. took like a uh, i think it had a huge spike it was something like 33 percent increase um yeah, yeah and sales it's it's, it's just crazy right
1: yeah. well in one of the aspects of that you brought up the the digital Digital gaming, right? Logic would dictate, well, okay, cool. A lot of people moved to digital gaming. But there were so many really interesting tertiary kind of points that hit during just looking at 2020 alone, right? That I didn't think about. So, again, like you said, Dungeons and Dragons saw a sales jump of 33% in 2020 alone. That's huge. A 46 cent on the dollar profit margin is astronomical it blows my mind now a lot of the things that fell in with this is people started watching it a lot more on platforms like twitch and similar streaming devices and people started moving to these digital platforms but what they did with that is they would use it as a teaching platform which i thought was wild where they would bring their friends in that had never played before they didn't have a pre-existing group but because it was COVID and everybody was stuck at home, suddenly lots more people were learning the game and joining the game. And I didn't think about that.
2: So I don't know if either of you heard, when Twitch, Twitch had a little bit of a, a hacker problem at one point, um, and they sort of released the incomes um, for the different streaming services. And one of those released was Critical Role. Um, so at the time, there were a seven-year-old group um, they've been together, I guess, seven years doing it already. Um, and any ideas to what they had brought in? Ooh, interesting. Like the previous two years, so this amount is is for the previous two years.
1: So you're talking 2018,
2: 2019. Uh, let me see. No, 19 and 20. 19, and
1: 20. Okay. Oh man, that's it's got to be wild with with how much airtime they've seen.
0: 19 to this is just Twitch. Just Twitch. I'm gonna guess like oh, 1.5 million dollars.
1: Oh man, I wasn't even gonna go half that. What is it?
2: So it's it's actually, if I'm reading this correctly, it's 9.6 million for those two years.
1: Holy crap! I am in the wrong industry.
2: So I'm just saying, like this this is what we say when when COVID improved certain nerd things um tabletop gaming um not just dnd i'm sure the other the others profited highly as well I, I didn't mess with them as much um so i didn't see i didn't see the big jump I'm, I'm definitely gonna guess uh oh man i can't think of the name of it there's another big one that's similar to D probably um probably also did really well so
1: we actually uh, my table during during COVID during 2020 That's when we started branching out a lot more. We started playing a lot of the other games. We played a lot of Pathfinder. Uh, We played Vampire the Masquerade. That was the one. Yeah, Pathfinder. Vampire the Masquerade, Pathfinder. We even tried the Alien RPG.
0: We also branched out uh, pretty significantly into the Star Wars RPGs.
1: Oh, that's right, yeah. Before I get Um, too
0: sidetracked into that, though, Matt Mercer, if you're listening, I am available for adoption, so, like, whenever you feel like hitting (laughs) me up, I'll be a good kid, I promise.
1: You know, and that's actually, that brings up a good point. I'm not going to dive too deep on it, because we are going to do an episode eventually on tabletop gaming, obviously, but... I really enjoyed branching out into some of these games that I normally wouldn't have given much time to. Uh, Edge of the Empire and their associated games for Star Wars is one of them. What a wonderful system. And I wouldn't have tried it without uh, without being pushed that direction. We had dabbled in it, I guess, before COVID uh, a bit. but
0: We did find a few mechanical hiccups in a lot of the games we were playing, mostly because we're so role focused you know every party member has a job or a specification we notice there's some ways that the system can really get abused quite inadvertently Uh, none of us would really go out of our way but yeah it was a fun time to be able to just switch from game to game and just kind of test those limits and see what what built up and what was great i think one of the best times we had was vampire the masquerade which was a highly social game which is outside of our norm this group but it all went really really well given our given our cast
1: absolutely well in dungeons and dragons in particular it's it first got truly published in 74 I believe it was nineteen seventy four which means it's it's seen editions that have hit during several different big events during its timeline and COVID being an interesting one where it made everybody stay indoors and it really attacked the the social aspect of it, so to speak, with the lockdowns and everybody having to social distance. I I feel very grateful that we even had the option for digital platforms. And I would say before COVID, the digital platforms were not a major venue for D&D.
2: Uh i probably agree. I I would definitely think they weren't as advanced as they got. I think they made big jumps during COVID. Um, Like, I played on fantasy grounds. I noticed, like, just from one year to the next, like, it got a lot better. Um, It it had some major improvements. And I think they saw that because they needed to do it um, because of such an uptick in people playing all of a sudden. Like, they went from probably, I would guess, like, a quarter number. Like, they probably at least quarter what they have now they had before covid so they had to really increase everything to make it a lot better um because when you had the bigger games sometimes you could get lag and things like that and they really they really improved themselves i never messed too much with DD beyond but i guess that was like one of the bigger ones um a lot of the sales that that wizard saw was actually like through dnd beyond and it was more like a lot of the digital side to it um, which is why they, they are doing such a big increase in like the digital aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was huge.
1: Yeah. To give credit where it's due. Um, the D&D Beyond stuff, it it didn't have the, the toolbox that it has now at all just a few years ago, right? You look, look five years ago, 2018 D&D Beyond was very small. If I remember correctly, and we got onto Fantasy Grounds and thought it was a wonderful platform. And you're absolutely right. You would see quality increase in leaps and bounds in Fantasy Grounds and d d Beyond. Um, and when we started, the big, the big choice that was presented to us was Fantasy Grounds, which was a great platform, but you had to pay for it, versus something like Roll20, which was more of a free-to-play platform, but you had to buy your components, if I remember correctly. And... DD Beyond really wasn't part of the picture, if I recall.
0: So, just looking at uh, the stats alone, it appears the average usage. Uh, this is from steamcharts.com, if anybody wants to check our source here. 150 users per average uh, for the year of 2022. Going back further, 2021, right about the same, floating around the 160 mark. September of 2020, 53 users in a month, 77 for October. By December of 2020, when COVID was first starting to hit, 117, which is a significant jump of average user per month.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, and the big COVID lockdown started in early 2020, right? January or February. Do they have any 2019 numbers on your,
0: on your data? Sadly, does not go back that far.
1: Interesting. Well, so, and I'm sorry.
0: Go
2: ahead. I was having a little bit of an audio issue there for a minute, um, with some lag. So you were sharing numbers for what was it? Because I missed that part. Just
0: uh, average users on Fantasy Grounds uh, from SteamCharts.com. 2022 oh, okay. is average 150. 2021 160. 2020. The tail end of twenty twenty, uh, fifty to seventy, which is a significant increase.
2: I was gonna say I was I was close. Instead of a fourth it was a third.
0: That's still
1: that's that's crazy. I'm actually I'm really glad to hear that uh, so many people are coming to the game, right? Like that's that's fantastic news.
0: That well, yeah, for sure. I want to say there's close to, like, almost 2,000 different play sets that you can use in Fantasy Grounds. Like, various rule sets that can be loaded in via a series of modules. So, I mean, pretty versatile. Yeah, was...
2: and, and they continue to grow because they, they let people know, like, if you want to take the time to, like, do do the coding for a game you like, you can submit and stuff like that. I think I've seen on there, so... They're they're smart with it. Um, I was surprised that Wizards went after D and D Beyond and not um, Fantasy Grounds, but D and D Beyond does have the bigger the bigger audience and it's more directly tied in, I think, to um, Wizards than
1: oh, Fantasy yeah, Grounds was. So, well, and their their advertising game is much more prolific, right? I mean, D and D Beyond is what half of the streamers use. It's what Matt Mercer and Critical Role uses. And so those that's the the tag on now it, it goes hand in hand. Oh, we're playing D and D digitally. Let's use D and D Beyond. That's what everybody else is using. And so it was a good platform. I'm. I think my favorite part about looking at all of this is that, truth be told, as far as RPG gamers, tabletop gamers, uh, like the three of us, we were extremely fortunate for for the pandemic during the pandemic because we could still continue to enjoy it whereas a lot of other people did not have that that opportunity. Um we were talking a little bit before the show started if I remember correctly about Magic the Gathering and and, and similar card games. And I honestly I feel for him cuz you're looking at Magic the Gathering whose sales just tanked in 2020. And you start looking at some of their major competitors. Um, there's a there's a card game that I think is absolutely fantastic called Flesh and Blood that came out from a group of people and this is hearsay I can't can't confirm this for sure but that were upset about Magic the Gathering moving to a digital format and so Magic the Gathering card sales tanked out during during 2020 and during the pandemic but their usage on Magic the Gathering Arena and their digital formats were amazing they they did fantastic on the digital front now right before the pandemic flesh and blood comes out people who wanted people to play the game literally in flesh and blood that's the reason they named it that so they put out what is in my opinion a fantastic game and then COVID hits like a slap in the face
0: timing is everything and that is just unfortunate
1: So kind of in that that realm that's where my curiosity started and so I started digging into some of the numbers because obviously D&D's our baby right that's that's my main jam I think that's that's everybody's kind of kind of main game uh here at heroes and I started digging into it cuz I wanted to see how it affected and it started with Magic the Gathering and and evolved from there and from what I can find there was one particular industry that I didn't think about that did amazing during during the pandemic saw a 640 percent increase in sales from 2020 to the end of 2021 and that's puzzles jigsaw puzzles i didn't think about that everybody started ordering them
2: yeah i would have never guessed that yeah in a million years
1: blew my mind um now a lot of these numbers are focusing on the united states um i didn't look at a lot of the global sales and that kind of stuff but yeah it was that's wild and just by the middle of 2020 they were reporting sales of 370 percent. and so by the end of end of 2021 it seems like that's what everybody was doing was doing puzzles i wouldn't i didn't think of that i think that's kind of cool
2: And lastly, before we switch this up into uh, the video game realm for a little bit, um, just another plus to this whole COVID thing with D&D, it is bringing us two nice-looking games, um, and it is also bringing us a Chris Pine D&D movie that better, be better than the last three. For God, please, you've literally... Delayed releasing it. Don't let it suck.
0: Well, they, Holy I, shit. And
2: Chris Pine's good. so
0: They're having problems getting uh, all the actors party. scheduled together at the same time. It's the same thing like a regular <laughs> D&D party. We can't agree on a time to meet. So that's why everything keeps just getting pushed back.
1: Well, and I'm one of those that I absolutely loved the, the D&D movie. That, uh, I think it was uh, Jeremy Irons. Um, because it was so campy and so... It's just so miserable, I absolutely love that movie um, but I am, I'm super excited I'm dancing around with my arms in the air over over the new D&D movie, I think it's going to be fantastic, I'm very optimistic about it
2: you know, I enjoyed the, the, the original movie that came out, I mean it wasn't the worst thing ever, but like this is, like we're in 2022, about to be 2023 you can make some amazing stuff, like <laughs> you really can, like get out there Two big things. I want to see more sorcerer stuff. I want to see some more wizards. Give me, give me a good dragon fight or something like. I, I need, I needs me some, some deep dive, D and D action.
0: I demand. I, I demand more blue skidooing into the map because that is by far the best thing that has ever come <laughs> from a D and D movie. God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, we are in that realm, right? We're 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 in a place where our movies are our special effects. You look at all the big Marvel movies. How often are we as as consumers, as audience members, looking forward to that big, expensive CGI fight? Right? <laughs> I want to see yeah. the Hulk fight Thanos kind of thing. Um, they make fun of it in the Deadpool movie. It's all big, expensive CGI fight coming up. And so I want to see that in the D and D movie. I want them to be over the top. I want the spells to be wild and the monsters to be wild and i am looking forward to and you're right you know um dnd has really exploded since the pandemic it's huge jumps and leaps in not just the edition but in the tools that we have available the books that are coming out and the number of consumers there are so many people that are openly chomping at the bit for more dungeons and dragons
0: Super, super important question in regards to the Dungeons & Dragons movie on you guys' opinion on this. Is it actually a functioning Dungeons & Dragons party if the wizard doesn't hit party members with a fireball?
2: Oh, dude, if I don't see fireball in the movie, it's a fail. Hands oh, no, no. <laughs> At some point, dude. I mean, like, realistically, I know it's, it's cheesy and everybody said, But, like, when have you not seen fireball at some point like it's the greatest spell ever I'm always gonna stand by that second. other than magic missile
0: oh, my man I was gonna say second greatest spell ever fireball's good magic missile's the best <laughs>
2: alright so since we're talking movies let's just go to movies we'll, we'll come back to video games <laughs> I, but I, I did I did pull up a little bit of information on, on like mainstream movies um, and the biggest thing is is it just like that industry did not do well with COVID because it's very hard to make a movie while you wear a mask. Um, so, especially if you got a distance. So, so, that particular industry did take a big hit. Like, if you look at Marvel, since we did talk about that, I think uh, the Black Widow movie got moved several times, and then it was supposed to go to theaters, and it never went – I don't think it went to theaters, it just straight to Disney still, right? I think – and then she, like – there was a lawsuit or something that was coming or something – a lot of stuff with that particular movie
1: absolutely that was a really interesting case for me with black widow because that was a movie i was i was looking forward to and i was i was following and i was really excited about and i had the same reaction as a bunch of my friends did whenever the lawsuit and all that that kind of drama came down the pipe because it was one more actor that decided they didn't get their fair cut and was throwing a fit about it but when i started looking into it They pulled some shady stuff with the Black Widow release because a large part of the contract, if I understand this correctly, a large part of the contract had to do with box office sales. And again, like Travis said, timing's everything, right? So box office sales percentages that were contracted to Scarlett Johansson and several other members. And then Disney decided to not even release it, except for a a few choice theaters. And put it out for the first ever kind of... It's almost like the old school pay-per-view, right? Where you could rent it on Disney+. Plus. And that cut all the box office sales to a bare bone minimum. And a lot of people have got upset about that.
0: Just to play devil's advocate on that regard... The longer a studio sits on a movie, the more money it loses. Because you've invested sure. money into advertising and campaigns. You do PR stuff... You do interviews and all the promotional things. You create merchandise and stuff for it specifically to be sold in theaters. Cups, bags of popcorn, specific candies, whatever. Then the longer it sits on it, obviously, the the more you have to buy those cups. You have to buy those different candies. You have to pay theaters to show your movie. is also a portion as they contract out to various theaters. When the theaters are closed it puts them in a position of like, well, how long can we sit on this before we really start taking an L? I won't defend Disney entirely in regards to what they did, but it's also one of those things I can see it from strictly a financial viewpoint. It was like, well, if we sit on it too long, we're going to have nothing like this is, this movie is going to be an L they are in the business of making money. So I can understand wanting to release it and get the product out there just to try and recoup some of that money back. I think it turned a profit, if I remember correctly. I'm not 100% on that regard. Um, Just from the pay-per-view sales alone, plus the additional people buying into Disney+, and things like that. But yeah, definitely hard for a studio to just sit on a film that's been completed.
2: What do you think the highest grossing film was of 2020? And it's going to be something... I would have never, even remotely, guessed... Okay. It's animated. That's all I'm going to tell you. Animated. That's how crazy the movie industry was in 2020.
0: Animated film Frozen for, 2. To hit top? Did that come out in 2020? Maybe it did. I have, right, I have um, no idea because if I grab my phone, I'm going to cheat. Yeah, was no the, cheat. What was
1: that one? It was almost a D&D style movie. It was animated. Um, my, my girls love it. Onward going
2: with onward. Nope. It was Demon Slayer. Demon train. <laughs> okay, okay. And it, it earned five hundred and three million worldwide. This was the first time since like I think it's like 07 or something like that that it didn't that it um the movie, the number one movie in less than like a billion dollars. I mean look at just look at Avatar two. It's already over a billion. It's only been fourteen days. Yeah. I mean that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that is crazy. And the, the movie industry, you know, we, we talked on the the kind of dramatic side about the lawsuits and stuff with Black Widow. Me as a consumer, stepping away from the right or wrong of what happened with that situation, I think that was a really bold and really cool move. I, I liked the fact that if I had the money, I could drop 20, 30 bucks and, and watch the movie right here in the comfort of my home. Right. It, that was fantastic. I think that was great. And I was super excited about it. I rented it, I watched it. Uh, Like I said, I was excited about the movie. And when I started looking at some of the numbers, you know, there were ups and downsides to the industry uh, with COVID and the pandemic and everything. And you saw massive increases with Disney Plus being up, you know, 3.6% in 2020. Uh, Universal and Warner Brothers joining and competing with Netflix, who was up at 5.1% in 2020. Um, and then Hulu and Amazon Prime, both of which saw increases of 2.9% uh, 2. during 2020. And so there was a lot of upsides in, when it came to digital streaming and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, the global revenue boxes just bottomed out. Um, I So the numbers that I have, Eric, if you're cool with me, taking the rug out from under you on that one. So in 2020... The entire global theatrical and home mobile entertainment market totaled $80.8 billion, which is the lowest figure since 2016 and a decline of 18% from 2019. The sharpest decline was in the theatrical revenue, which dropped from $42.3 billion in 2019 to just $12 billion in 2020.
0: That's a pretty significant drop. I will say I love my streaming services. I have a handful of them that I use very frequently. Nothing beats the experience to me of going to the theater to see a movie that you've been looking forward to. Like I said, I love being able to stream my favorite movies directly into my home. I love being able to watch all these super cool TV shows. At the same time, nothing beats getting a bag of over-buttered popcorn that I know is going to ruin me in my 70s drinking a two-gallon Coke as I watch a movie play entirely too loud just for the sake of the experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's good. Like, the experience is important. Um, I think that's, that's part of the reason the industry will forever take a hit now because I think... Black Widow was the first one to really do the the new style pay pay per view with movies because now Prime does it too, um, and I think Black Widow was the first one that really did it because Mulan was the next movie that came out, um, and they started doing that that early release on Disney if you pay extra on top of your membership. So um, I think people now because of COVID are getting away. I don't think we're I think you'll still see great numbers in the theater obviously like like I said Avatar 2 over a billion 14 days. So I think we're going to get the numbers back. Um, but I I don't I can't see I can't see them ever being as great as they were before the pandemic like overall like I, you'll still get the ones and twos but i don't think you'll see a broad spectrum of movies that get like huge numbers of people cuz it is nice to sit in your house with your overpaid um stereo system but your much cheaper popcorn and two gallons of soda um absolutely even if the movie costs 24 bucks on tv or whatever it is to like get it early it's still cheaper than the movie tickets the popcorn the pepsi um and all that other stuff.
0: So. But it's not the theater. So that actually
1: leads me into a really interesting story about my hometown here. Um, so you all know I live in a very small town. We have less than 5,000 people that are residents here, not including tourists. And a lot of the stuff in town is very small, including our movie theater. I think we have three screens, uh, maybe four, if you include the little bitty one. Uh, at our our local movie theater and they got hit pretty hard and they were really smart about it. And we kind of hit a kind of a heartwarming story, I think, with with the way that the pandemic hit our local movie theater. Because in my opinion, I agree with I agree with both of you. I, I'm a movie theater guy. I enjoy the experience of going to the movie theater. It's a bonding experience with me and my kids. A lot of our our best memories are of traveling out of town to go to such and such movie theater or see the IMAX or the Omnimax and that kind of thing. And I very much like Travis, I love the experience of a movie theater going in with a two gallon soda that you paid $30 for to sit down and, and for a couple of hours get to experience movie theater. Our movie theater actually shut down during the pandemic. And decided that, that was the moment they were going to choose to do the renovations. They all knew seats, all new screens, new digital projectors, full bore upgrade. And in order to help recoup the cost of that, they ended up doing a curbside pickup where you could still get their popcorn in these gigantic five-gallon bags, wildly over-buttered. You could still get their candy, buy bags of ice. And I actually saw a lot of the people that were in my, my village really rally behind that, where they would go and they would buy these giant bags of popcorn and all the, the movie-going stuff from the curbside at the movie theater to help them carry through, not just help pay for the upgrades, but to recoup the costs from shutting down during the pandemic. And I think that's really cool that people were really willing to do that. Uh, it was a really interesting way to go, especially looking at so many other towns across the United States that their movie theaters simply didn't survive it; just shut down.
2: The movie industry is always going to have this this love to it, though. People are always going to come back to it. Like I said, they're still they're still going to make money. Obviously, they're still going to it's still going to be there. I mean, it's not going anywhere. I just I I don't. Th- I don't think as much money will be put into it as it was before because of this new digital age with the new digital stuff coming out. Um, Absolutely. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Like I think, I think avatars like the is, is going to be an interesting way to like look at stuff um, going forward with theaters, because I think a lot of people for a long time didn't want to go to a movie more than once Um, because of COVID you're already risking it per se going to the movie once. Um, so now a lot of people don't like to go out as much. So I think people are going to look at movies once instead of more than once, which is why I'm saying the numbers will probably never be what they were. Um, but Avatar is obviously showing that I'm wrong to a point, like with blockbuster movies. Um, and just to throw it out there too, the big, the first movie to really have a huge, huge release after COVID was Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, um, yeah. And by the way, I'm by no means on, a Marvel based website getting my information just in case anyone out there is wondering because <laughs> I keep bringing, but as even directors have stated, like Marvel, just they keep pouring movies out that are just making money, whether they're real movies, have some said or not. Um, it's not something we're here to discuss, but uh, yeah, it's just I found that to be interesting. I think it was uh, the first movie to make over a billion after. Um, the pandemic so also also during the pandemic they did decide to stop releasing um, box office figures Disney Disney and Universal both decided that during COVID because I guess it got so bad um, they both announced that they would no longer release those figures I don't know if that's still going on if they're not releasing exact or what it is because we did we have seen some numbers So I'm not sure as to how that's working out of their official or whatnot. Um, I don't dive too deep into movies. Usually this is the most I've dived in in a long time. So
0: probably to protect investor confidence, if I were a gambling man, especially around the pandemic with as much money as dropped out of the, the movie industry, as far as ticket sales go, I guarantee you that was a move to keep investors from being in that like panic state of showing a drop in ticket sales
1: oh absolutely well oh, it that's it's interesting when you think about the fact that they're not releasing those numbers while we're looking at percentage based figures for how they did during twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one that's that's wild okay
2: yeah well, I mean in here it's stating that they there was a prediction early on that they'd lose about five billion um at the box office in in march of twenty twenty two or twenty twenty sorry um, so that's that's just shows you as to how big, like COVID affected the movie industry. Like it was just huge, making a lot of movies just canceled or pushed back, or like just everything that happened. Um, that particular part of the nerd verse was definitely hit in a, a rather vicious way. And one thing I did not think about with with films and stuff like that is anime. Although that one particular one did do very well, the Demon Slayer. Um, A lot of other ones, I didn't know this, got delayed. Um, I would never think that because it's voice acting, not taking anything away from it, of course. Um, Although I do have a sultry, magical voice and could do anything with it. um, It is still a rather difficult thing to do. So, I mean, um, I thought a lot more people would have home setups or something like that, but I guess originally they must have been working in studios and stuff because I've got a list here for – I think this is twenty. Well, no, no, this is just during COVID, and like I'm just seeing like dozens and dozens of movies and and shows that were delayed, um, due to COVID. And I thought that was rather interesting, since it's animated.
0: Ryan and I actually share a mutual friend who does voice acting, and yeah, it big big hit as far as voice acting goes, for the simple fact that a lot of that storyboard aspect of it was all held in person at a studio you had to have active feedback on what you were doing and that digital format didn't always necessarily transition very well to that dynamic mostly because people weren't getting I guess the right feel for it I believe is the way she described it in regards to voice acting so yeah I can see how even animated studios suffered a pretty significant blow just from not being able to have that in-person interaction to get things recorded, you know, to get those storyboards done, to get the animation flowing.
1: You know, it's uh, it's interesting that you bring that up. It didn't occur to me till till you said that. Um, the book that I'm working on right now, I've been talking to a few people that brought it to my attention on putting it on Audible and having it having it as a as an audio book. I never really ventured into that realm. I didn't know a lot about it. And it turns out that it's really boomed since since the pandemic, because before that, there was still a lot of the old way of doing things. Like Travis was saying, they would bring you into their studios, they would use their equipment and you were expected to go to their location. And then during the pandemic, a lot of audiobooks got created using home setups and, and home equipment that are doing very, very well. I never considered that aspect or that that avenue with how COVID affected a lot of that, so even on the the literature front, the the audiobook front had some wild changes with
0: that. Eric, I think he's asking you to record his audiobook for him once it's done. I feel like that's where that was going.
2: I, I'm always here um, to do whatever, as long as people get to hear me. I just I need that attention.
1: Now he's got that sexy voice. That's what it is. <laughs>
2: But the last big one that, that I've got to bring up um, with this is sort of the video game industry. Um, it kind of went the way you would figure. There was improvements. Um, but it, it definitely wasn't exactly. Because when PS5 and it was Xbox One, right? Like that was the name of it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: Was it? I never remember was no offense microsoft but I, I just like halo
0: series x
2: yo that's it yeah yeah so whatever the newest xbox series x uh when those two came out um there was a lot of issues in regards to like pieces to make them and stuff like that so unlike previous releases like the ps4 and stuff um they were very difficult to get so that was the main thing that affected their sales um There was a lot of pirating that happened because of it. So a lot of people were getting them and selling them on the side for way too much.
1: You know, I didn't think about the actual getting the parts and construction uh, of of the consoles and stuff. That that must have been a wild time in that particular industry.
0: Manufacturing of microchips was at almost a standstill. Just to the simple fact that you still have to have copper conductors for a lot of these and the two largest copper producing like UA rated pure copper producing mines closed entirely. And you're talking about an industry where so many things are reliant upon copper. We use copper in so much stuff that it's a little ridiculous at this point. And that's when alternatives started really becoming a big boom. Like you're seeing aluminum grade chips coming out to the forefront of the market just because aluminum's easier to produce. So just to get into the massive industrial side of how that impacted the Nerdverse, yeah, that copper shortage. Huge impact on the gaming industry. I spent close to two and a half months searching for a PlayStation controller because for whatever reason the one on my wife's console, she's the PlayStation player in our family, controller went out, and for a solid two months, she could do zero gaming unless she wanted to list lazily to one side of the screen.
1: Well, and those kind of shortages always bring out some of the worst villains in the Nerdverse, right? You had the scalpers move in and take what little supply there was, buy them all up, and suddenly they're doubling, tripling, quadrupling the price, trying to sell them on on open sites.
0: On a happy note in regards to the pandemic and video gaming, I actually discovered a new passion that I have in video games that I never thought I would get into, and that's completionist and achievement hunting.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Ryan can testify to the fact that I'm a very, like, let's hit the story and go kind of guy. When it came to video games, I was like, let's get the story done. I want to learn all the things... And then I want to get the super cool gear. And that was it. Those were my highlights. And through the pandemic, specifically with one game in particular, Red Dead Redemption 2. Those of you that have not played it should go out and get a copy immediately. It's an amazing game. I got into Completionist so bad on that one. I'm out hunting dinosaur bones. I'm chasing coyotes through the brush. I'm roping things just to get to the extra gear that that provides not that it provides any bonus but just for the sake of having it i turned into such an achievement hunter
2: yeah so video games though like they they did have a a nice uptick um during during covid um they set new like 2021 was the big year like they just set records left and right especially in the u.s um Call of Duty, of course, came out with another new game, so everybody had to buy that up. And oh, yeah. especially with the competitive gaming being what it is, Call of Duty's as as just getting crazier. If I'm not mistaken, they mostly play it on PlayStation. I think some of them can play it on computer, though. Um, I don't know what's what's up, Travis. I see you there.
0: I was kind of shocked that during the pandemic you didn't see a downtick in esports, because a lot of that was done live, right? You brought your teams to a centralized location and everybody played in front of their proctors and various other teammates. I was really expecting e-gaming to shut down entirely, and they miraculously found a way to work around that. They had remote proctors, they had teams, you know, be able to remote in with uh, was anti-cheat software installed.
1: You know, that's that's actually super interesting because like you said, the the anti-cheat software and the competitive gamers coming in remotely, you saw a lot of really interesting things happening with that. And one of the interesting parts for me cycles back to what you were talking about with the movies earlier, uh, where you didn't want to scare away investors. That was a major problem in competitive gaming during 20, 2020 and 2021 because they still wanted to have the, the major competitions. They still wanted to have the... The major meetups done remotely, like you were just talking about, but they couldn't get sponsors or investors for the pots. And so you saw a huge uptick in competitive gaming for much smaller award pots in a lot of avenues. I know that, uh, I want to say it was League of Legends, I'll have to look up the numbers to be sure, did not have a large prize pot, or or, or however they phrase it, uh, for 2020. Now Eric, you said 2021 they saw major upticks in usage.
2: Yeah, that's that's the biggest year um so like hardware sales um were over 6 billion um which was up uh 14% from the year before. Um that's just for the hardware stuff, not even the not even the software side of it. Um just for the year. So so video games really did really did go crazy. Um exclusives that were big was like spider-man miles morales um pokemon of course brilliant diamond and shining pearl were the big ones for nintendo and then surprisingly forza horizon 5 was the big microsoft one um those are obviously exclusives not not the not the games like the call of duty that are across all platforms um that did really well
0: has pokemon racing gamers man (laughs) has has Pokemon had a bad release yet? I feel like pretty much all of their release numbers have been consistently good just across the board from start to finish.
2: You'd have to look at the newest one because the newest one from a lot of what I read has a lot of problems. Um, a lot of people aren't happy with the gameplay and stuff like that because um, it tried to be more open world than previous ones. Um, I haven't played it yet. I usually buy them when they come out. Um, but I, I'm waiting on this one because it, it, I did see a lot of issues um, with reviews and things like that, so I, I am I am kind of holding off getting it.
1: And that brings up kind of an interesting set of numbers that I pulled up here. Now, this is talking about video gaming across platforms. This is all platforms. This is PC gaming and all that kind of jazz. Looking uh, from 2019, February of 2019 to February of 2021. So not including 2021's uh, fiscal sales. But total gaming revenue declined more than 20%, uh, 21.5, et cetera, percent, over the period uh, of COVID's initial like big hit. And total gaming revenue for the 12 month period that ended February of 2020 had shown an increase over the same period of 2019 so you saw a massive drop in sales but the interesting part about it is when you start looking at playtime according to nielsen games video game tracking or vgt the number of gamers that are playing video games more now due to covid 19 pandemic has increased since march 23rd of 2020 with the increase being the highest in the united states at 46 percent followed by France at 41, the UK at 28, and then Germany at 23. So less people are buying, but more people are using.
0: What video game do you think was the top grossing during the pandemic? Oh.
1: Uh, That would require me to know when certain games came out. It's always
2: Call of Duty. Like, Call of Duty is always just smashing.
1: Well, and my top guess is always going to go to the Pokemon releases, but he's shaking his head at that one, too.
0: Stumped you both on this one. It was, in fact, Animal Crossing New Horizon. Beat out... Animal Crossing? Beat out Madden. NBA 2K20. Eked out its victory against Call of Duty. Eric, you were very close. It was an almost negligible margin. In that regard, but overall sales just during the pandemic, especially during the height of the lockdown, Animal Crossing took the lead. Everybody apparently wanted that feel-good game.
1: There you go. Good for them.
2: I mean, if you you played any other ones, you have to play the game consistently. Um, It's like living a life. So it makes sense because you can't live your own life, technically, because you're on lockdown, so you can live this fake one online. And then your buddies can give you their island code, and you can visit their fake life, and you can all fake life it together, and enjoy yourselves, and do all the things you can't do in real life.
0: There you go. I will say I personally have enjoyed games like Animal Crossing. I really love the Harvest Moon games. As dumb as it is to have grown up on a farm and then play a farming game, I have no idea what it is about the Animal Cross. Uh, Yeah, Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon. Anytime they come out with a new release, Stardew Valley, any of it, I have to check it out.
1: No, that's that's pretty cool. I know me and my daughters, that's one of the games we all play together is uh, is a lot of the Harvest Moon games. We haven't done Animal Crossing, but uh, yeah, those, those are fantastic. Like you said, kind of feel-good fake life games.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, and there's nothing wrong with the fake life thing. I'm not saying it to like, put anybody down. I mean, it is, though. Like, you have to sign on every day because different products in the store. Um, And it's just one. like a lot of those games seem to have taken off during um, COVID. There was quite a few PC games um, that got really big that you have to live day to day um, inside to play. The one with the dinosaur, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head.
0: Ark, Ryan and I's second, both of our second job. Ryan is a dad first and an Ark farmer second. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right see like games like that um Wilhelm or whatever that one's another one that came out during it
1: oh valheim yes yeah
2: valheim there we go see i'm not big into these particular games i know about them obviously because they're so huge um especially with covid so i i know of them i've seen the videos i played a little bit of arc but it's just not my cup of tea um,
0: fun fact yeah so. fun fact about me I am a bad luck magnet when it comes to Valheim. Ryan got so many good laughs watching everything just hunt me down in that game. Something unmerciful. <laughs> That's a fact. That is a fact.
1: Um, you know, in, in, in regards to these games, it's really interesting because you have a lot of these. I, I like the way you put it. It's your, it's your second life games, right? It's your fake life games. Because you do, you have to log in every day. Feed your animals, water your crops, do your stuff, and it becomes very engrossing, but we also saw a huge rise in using a lot of the simulator games, right? Because you had uh, a lot of the aircraft simulator games got really big during the pandemic.
0: Power wash simulator.
1: Yeah, power wash simulator got huge. Even the stuff like farming simulator, whatever they're on now, farming simulator 17, 200, whatever. Um, You know, a lot of these games where the point of it is simply to experience an approximation of this this kind of lifestyle. And kind of like Eric was talking about, a lot of these aren't what I would call my cup of tea, but it's wild to look at how popular they became once everybody was just kind of at home.
2: It let you live outside without being outside.
1: Absolutely. Well, and you need a certain a certain mindset for these kind of games, right? One of the things that my gaming group pokes at me all the time about, I like fishing in video games. Absolutely love fishing. We could be in a video game where the purpose is that you are part of a team trying to stop big, bad, evil guy from destroying the world and everything's hurried and and eclectic. And if I see a spot where I can play a fishing mini game, you better believe I'm going (laughs) to run right over there and do it
0: derails the entire process. Eric, don't let him don't let him, like, trick you into thinking he just enjoys the fishing minigame. We will full pause whatever we're doing because Ryan's going to have to go get his fishing in.
2: I believe it. I. It drives me nuts that some games do, though. They put a lot of emphasis on fishing. Some of the online games, you have to, like, New World, I think it was that I played for a while. Like There's an emphasis on the... like, I don't don't want to fish, dude. I
0: don't want to... The big requirements I have for a video game... I'm a simple man to find enjoyment in a video game. And Ryan has heard me say this before. I need either a dodge roll or a jump button. You will please me to no end if I get both. But if I can have one or the other, you have become a complete game. And I don't care what it is. It could be like Battle Simulator 8. If I can't make a dude do a dodge roll... I'm out, man. I'm done.
2: <laughs> I think it should be. There should always be something there. Like a big thing with Assassin's Creed, I always loved um, was the way you could block an attack right away to take somebody out. Um, the way you could dodge the attacks, things like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild when the games don't give you the option to really dodge. I've never totally understood that but I I get it. I don't even care if it's an effective
0: combat mechanic. I just, as I'm roaming around, just like to do little barrel rolls. I chased Ryan and one of our other friends all the way through Ghost Week on Wildlands doing nothing but front shoulder rolls just because I had the option to.
1: (laughs) You know what? That's, uh, That's an interesting point. We do have a source material we haven't talked about yet. What about you guys? What was your uptick in in gaming during the pandemic what was your your go-to
2: i got back into D real heavy um i i created a world um designed a lot of homebrew a lot of items um i actually found a nice website where you could make it look like the book releases so it had that the page feel to it um And you could even break it down so the lettering looked the same. Um, So I got real heavy into that um, during COVID. I met some new people um, and then actually started developing Heroes of the Nerdverse shortly after all that um, during, during the pandemic.
1: Ah, so there you go. That's something the three of us can all be super excited about is the pandemic gave us Heroes of the Nerdverse. And I know I'm loving being part of this brand. So bonus.
0: My big thing, and I think I shared it with quite a few people, I mean, across the globe, considering how widespread this particular brand is, but I found a renewed passion for painting Warhammer miniatures. Definitely one of my favorite, just kind of sit down, I'll throw on, a podcast, which surprisingly enough showed massive upticks during the pandemic, was podcast views. It uh, was something I was going to talk about briefly, not that um, we skipped over because we did talk about Critical Role, which is a, a huge one in regards to the podcast world. But yeah, I got, uh, I got back into miniature painting and have slightly slowed down now that I'm back into a face-to-face office job. But definitely one of those big passions I have in regards to the Nerdverse is that model painting. I absolutely, absolutely love it.
2: All right, this one's kind of running long, but the last thing we have to mention, Henry Cavill doing the 40K. Excited? Not excited? What's the verdict?
1: I am absolutely excited about it. Henry Cavill's been under the microscope for a lot of stuff recently, right? There's a lot of talk about Henry Cavill is leaving DC or Henry Cavill is leaving The Witcher or, or whatever. And Henry Cavill's always been kind of a, a hero in my head when it comes to the nerdverse because he will openly talk about his, his nerdy side, right? He, he knows the lore for a bunch of stuff. He plays 40K. He knows what he's doing. And so am I excited to see him in the 40K uh, movie, right? The 40k movie
0: no it's a te- show. yeah it's a, no, it's a television series it's television gonna be a serialized show. episodic even better
1: yeah even better i'm i'm super excited for that i think he's premium um i what no matter what they cast him as you know they could put him in as the emperor they could put him in as papa smurf of the ultramarines i i'll take anything i'm excited about it
0: yeah i'm i'm hyped i'm already on the hype train even if it's terrible like even if it comes out and it's just bad, I'm gonna be excited to see it. I love everything 40k related. I listen to lore videos constantly. I I'm harassing Ryan on a regular basis with all the fun lore things <laughs> that I found out about 40k. It's definitely definitely on my watch list. So Henry Cavill, here's to you. Oh yeah, super exciting.
2: Yeah, definitely uh, king of the nerds at the current moment, I would yep. say.
1: King of the Nerds. Everything the man touches turns to gold.
2: Okay, I I do have one more question then before we go. Who was King of the Nerds prior to Henry Cavill, though?
0: Not me. Hmm. (laughs) Huge, huge underground success just globally. You guys don't even know.
2: Like, honestly, though, like, if you really sit and think about it, who was... Because you can point at certain things like there's the... um, I can't think of his name that played D&D. So, that was kind of cool and nerdish. Yeah,
1: Vin Diesel, like,
2: Joe who was, yeah, yeah, Joe. That's the one I was thinking of. He was the big name that played uh, D&D and had that really cool D&D basement um, that everybody loves. But who was truly, like, all-encompassing? Because when you look at Henry Cavill, he built his own computer on YouTube um, or whatever. Um, he loves The Witcher, and he played the games. Um, he's got a cool story about, like, how he wanted to be Superman and very passionate about it. Like, I can't think of any actor or actress, to be fair, either or, um, or Tree, whatever you identify has, um, that came before Henry Cavill that might have been as nerdy as him.
1: See, I Carl think the Urban. Only... Yeah, Carl Urban's definitely up there
0: in King of the Nerds. He has been in I... so many nerd-related things, it's absolutely ridiculous.
1: And he's always under the radar, right? Like,
2: But... I'd be curious, like, were they passions of his? I'd be curious, Because I did love him in all those movies, like Doom, Judge Dredd. Like, I liked Doom. Doom. I thought it was good. I thought he was better than The Rock in that movie. Like, to that's be bad. totally honest with you, like, I don't think The Rock's a horrible actor, but I definitely thought that Urban carried that movie. Um, the Priest, that's another good movie. He didn't have a huge part in it, but um, he he was, was the main bad guy, so it was kind of cool.
1: I would say, if it was entirely my call, before Henry Cavill, I would give King of the Nerds to Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel was an avid D and D guy. He had character names drawn on on his character's tattoos. He did the Witch Hunter, Last Witch Hunter, movie. Um, was very vocal about his his nerddom and was very open about belonging to our our you know culture here. I would say pre-Henry Cavill, I would give King of the Nerds to Vin Diesel, although Carl Urban is
0: <laughs> up there. Honorable mention as King of the Nerds, Dave Batista. One of his hobbies is collecting comic book or old school like TV show related lunch boxes. He's a big merchandise nerd in that regard of like the old school Batman lunchboxes, Wonder Woman all of it, you know, DC, Marvel doesn't matter if it's those old tin lunchboxes with your favorite cartoon characters on it gotta give him an honorable mention oh,
1: yeah. I love love merch nerds, those guys are great
2: yeah no I mean, I think a lot of us are if you're a nerd you, you do collect merch and something like I collect a lot of random action figures. Like I got some from like My Hero Academia. I've got I've got Spartan. I've got like Transformers. I've got man. I collect like whenever I see the little things. Like I gotta I gotta grab them up. So I I feel like merch is very important in this. Go ahead, Travis. I
0: was to say I've got like four thousand dollars worth of Warhammer stuff sitting behind me. <laughs>
1: Uh, oh yeah, I mean, you look at you look at my 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 office, what we call the dungeon down here, and it is it's just it's a field of merch. It's hundreds of books and D and D manuals and all the art and the banners and yeah, I'm a sucker for merch.
2: And with that, we're gonna start bringing this into a bit of a close. Uh, make sure that you are checking us out on all different things. Um, we're on. We're on Amazon. We're on Apple, um, Spotify, um, crossing the nerdverse on any of those. Um, we're also on Anchor. I, I do know that that, that is that uh, one. Uh, most people use the big three, um, so we've definitely we're definitely on there. Um, don't forget to check us out on Twitter. We have at Capital Ctn underscore podcast. Um, that's our our one our personal one for this particular podcast. Bring all your information, bring your questions, bring your bring your insults, bring your bring your whatever you want. Um, we also got at H Nerdverse if you do want to reach out to the to the brand um, and check out the the whole thing. And then we're also on uh, Facebook. In regards to Facebook, it's just the um, here's the Nerdverse group. Um, that encompasses everything Uh, we're all admins on there so um, if you reach out and you want to get information um, please do everything we talked about I know all my information I keep all the links Um, so if anyone wants to see or hear or know where I got any information from feel free to reach out I can share and do anything with that now anything else Ryan that you want to throw out there
1: well it I do want to encourage everybody to check us out, especially on, on Twitter and Facebook. We want feedback. We want everybody's ideas. We want to hear from you. Even if you want to just jump on and tell me that Ryan's voice is stupid, that's cool. There's platforms to do that. So please reach out to us. Uh, We're always excited to hear from, from all of our listeners. So.
2: All right, Travis, get in there. What do you got? You're muted, bud.
0: I sure was muted. I don't think I have anything to add other than like, share, subscribe. Make sure you follow us on social media. And thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Crossing the Nerdverse. It's always good to have you with us.